Hello, this is Shmuel Tenenhaus of and from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. And I am so happy to be back here a second week doing this podcast. Life has changed tremendously uh, for me since uh, airing and dropping my first podcast last week. Uh, before I did the podcast, I was just uh, a regular schmo. And since launching the podcast, I am now a regular schmo with an unpopular podcast. Again, thank you. I uh, especially wanted to thank my friends who took heed to what I requested and did not share out my podcast. Thank you. I think some people who maybe don't know me that well uh, think or thought I was being facetious, but uh, this is a really good thing and it's nice to stay under the radar. I also enjoyed hearing from some people that I made them laugh. And in terms of what my intention with this is, with this podcast, I mean, if I can sit here in my garage wearing pants or not wearing pants, and frankly, that's none of anybody's business. And I can make somebody laugh just by you know, connecting my Yeti microphone into my ancient laptop, my ancient Mac, and cracking a couple of jokes and making somebody smile. It is definitely worth all the effort. So I appreciate the feedback. So this podcast is many things. Uh, one of them is we could be talking about uh, our vulnerabilities and be honest. So I have to say I actually recorded this second episode last week. And then I made the awful mistake of trying to listen to myself. And it sounded terrible, really terrible. It was as if somebody was uh, scratching nails on uh, a blackboard and singing terrible songs at the same time with my kids crying or nudging me. Uh, it was very painful to listen to. So I am re-recording it. So there you go. That's some vulnerability. I'm sharing things with you. Now, uh, like I was mentioning before, the reason why I was started to do podcasting, I pivoted to podcasting, you know, about almost 12 years after doing YouTube is because uh, I don't like how my face looks. It's that simple. But now when I was listening to the recording and I did not now, did not like how I sounded, I was like, okay, first you don't like what you look like. Now you don't like what you sound. So how can you even express yourself creatively if you really don't like anything about yourself? And that was not a rhetorical question because I actually came up with a pretty good solution. And so uh, potentially this is something we could incorporate it in a future podcast. And that is um, potentially doing a uh, podcast where instead of talking, it's pure Morse code. So you don't have to see me and I don't even have to hear myself and uh, be disgusted with the way that I sound. So. Uh, without further ado, I want to pay, play you a trailer of what an upcoming Morse code podcast might sound like. Let me just play it here.
So basically, I had to stop that because it was just going on for too long. And all I said there in Morse code was, here is my new podcast just on Morse code. So it actually takes a lot, uh, a lot of time to uh, do stuff on Morse code. So I don't know if this is a viable solution or not, but uh, just keeping you posted at some point in time, we may see a seismic shift in terms of the medium of how we do this. Uh, truthfully, I've worked in software for many years, uh, particularly within startups. And the saying goes within startups is, or the saying goes like this, if you're not embarrassed with your first launch or your first iteration of product, you are too late, i.e. you are taking too long. Nobody launches anything perfect. And so uh, I feel like that about the first episode I did, and I feel like that about this second episode that we're doing together. And I probably will feel about that for almost every uh, episode we come out, we, we, I come up, up with. Okay. Um, also, if you noticed, I haven't done pretty much any editing, and that is a combination of, one, trying not to launch anything perfect, and two, just sheer laziness on my part. There I said it, and let's just move on to the next topic. So there's so much to say. We don't have that much time, even if you're li listening to me at two times speed or th three times speed. And uh, I just, so we'll, we'll try to cover as many topics as possible. Um, so first of all, I, we, and my, my, we, that's myself and my family, spent Shabbos in Bell Harbor. Um, actually, I'm not sure if it was Bell Harbor or Bayside, not Bayside, Bay Harbor. There's Bell Harbor, there's Bay Harbor, and there's also Surfside. Uh, they don't, you know, people will cross-reference them, Bay Harbor, Bell Harbor, Surfside. Could be it's all the same thing, could be it's all different things. You actually have to live there, and the mayor comes over and tells you, he whispers in your ear what the difference is, but anybody who does not live there uh, really does not know the difference, and I think the people who live there really appreciate that because they'd be like, they live in Bay Harbor, no, you live in Bell Harbor, no, you actually live in Surfside. It's a little complicated. So uh, first of all, why did we go to Surfside, Bay Harbor, Bell Harbor for Shabbos? Well, uh, we were invited. That's the simple reason. And with uh, inflation and food pricing where it is today, especially with kosher food, uh, we were not going to say no to such an invitation because you know, we, we were able to feed our family Friday night and Shabbos day, hung around for a little leftovers after Shabbos just to grab something, grabbed a couple things off the counter before Shabbos. You're talking about almost four meals uh, for my family completely free. Uh, so uh, especially like if this was, if we had gotten this invitation before um, there was this much inflation for food, I don't know if we would have uh, taken them up on the offer, but when my wife told me about this invitation, I was like, are you kidding me? Have you seen the prices of kosher meat? Yeah, let's, let's take this invitation. Uh, for sure, absolutely, we should take this invitation. Uh, and so maybe you'll be seeing a lot of me there if they, if they invite us again or if somebody else in, invites us. Now, yeah, I was saying about food inflation. Those food boxes uh, are only going to get you so far. Uh, you, go, you guys know which food boxes I'm talking about. Shout out to those food boxes. Thank you. Um, the food box you get on Wednesday, it's not going to take care of me for Shabbos or my family. 
So we stayed by friend's house. Um, my wife has a friend, uh, just to clarify. So it's, she was the one responsible for that invitation. I just came along because uh, the food and the opportunity to, to see friends that I knew there. And the people that we stayed by uh, are, thank God, uh, much wealthier than we are. Like, we're happy with what we have, but they're to the magnitude of, let's say, for every dollar we have, they have, let's say, $75. Like, if I have $2, they have 150 Just go, you just do the math. Um, and so uh, we wake up Shabbos morning, and their house is, Kanainahara, praise God, a beautiful home. The ceilings are really high. There are moldings on the ceiling, not mold. Don't be confused with mold. Uh, and we'll talk about mold in a different uh, episode. Great business to be in if you're selling mold protection. Um, and so there's moldings on the ceiling. The ceilings are high. Uh, they had high doors opening to the outside. There were a lot of trees and shade. And I remember coming out of my room first thing Shabbos morning and thinking to myself, it is just so nice to roll out of bed first thing in the morning and immediately be envious of somebody else's possessions. You know, sometimes you have to go outside in the street, you go to shul, you see somebody with a nicer car or just somebody that has something that you want and you're coveting. But the ease that I was able to do this on Shabbos, again, I didn't even leave the house uh, to get that uh, jealousy Gene going, it was just amazing. Uh, I do, now would be a time to mention, so the, the meals that we had there, uh, Friday night was a small meal, Shabbos day was a larger meal, and it was buffet. In general, I am a big fan of buffet on Shabbos instead of having everything out on the table uh, and people passing things, and there's kids, and cups are getting you know knocked over, and things are spilling, and there are certain people who keep on asking you to pass the same thing over and over, and it starts getting f frustrating, and it can lead to altercations. I much prefer uh, a buffet for Shabbos. And uh, it's just, again, now is not the time or place, but uh, if, you, if you're doing a buffet, you're doing it right. If you're not doing a buffet, you should reconsider. You can reconsider your whole life, basically any decision you've made, because the buffet is wrong, I mean, not doing the buffet is wrong. You ought to be considering the buffet. But I want to talk about just, again, not extolling now the virtues of a, a buffet at a Shabbos table. I just want to talk about passing, something that has irked me for, every, for, for many years, and I feel now is the time to air it because I have a platform. Sometimes I'm sitting at a Shabbos table, or always, and this is when there are things on the table to pass around. By the way, even when people do buffet, sometimes they do a crossbreed. Something they'll leave in the kitchen, like the main courses, and they'll have some other stuff, like starches on the table. So I'm sitting at the table, and sometimes people, or always, people are like, hey, can you, do you mind if you, can you pass me that? Or, hey, can you pass the salad? Uh, you get the chatzilim, the eggplant there, if you can pass it. And, you know, I always have a visceral reaction, and it goes something like this. So I say, hey, hey, excuse me, do you mind just passing that, that salad over here? And I will always be like, absolutely not. Like, how dare you ask me to pass you something without offering anything in exchange? For example, the seltzers are right in front of you. Also, there's a potato salad right in front of you. 
don't just come here and tell me what it is that I can do for you. There needs to be an equitable exchange here, right? Things are gonna get passed now over people's heads, over cutlery, over kids, over glasses of wine. You want me to make the sacrifice. I want to know what I'm getting in exchange. And like I said, it ought to be equitable. If I'm passing you, or I want, like, sorry, if I am passing you the pasta salad, big bowl, big spoon, and uh, you're gonna offer to send me back a piece of challah, it's just, I'm not an idiot, I'm not a fool. And things need, there needs to be parity. Uh, so I just wanna put that in there. We, we can revisit this at a different time. So at the Shul of Bell Harbor Bay Harbor Surfside that I was there, um, there's a lot of people there. I definitely saw a lot of faces and uh, it was a very nice experience overall. And uh, a story that I want to share is I almost uh, got into a fist fight twice uh, when I was in Shul. I wanted to just share the story with, with you, not because it has any meaning or that it's potentially even entertaining, but I was entertained by it, and I, and I feel like this is my podcast. This is Shmuel Taninas' podcast, so Shmuel Taninas can share uh, this story. Uh, somebody who, who witnessed the story told me he thought it was going to lead to a full-out brawl. It did not. So let me tell you what happened and uh, what the ending of the story was. So at Shul, I come there and immediately check my kids into the kids' program as quickly as possible, right? I don't, you know, there's an opportunity for me uh, to offload parenting to other people. I, I immediately go for that right away, priority number one. Uh, priority number two, I meet a friend in uh, the hallway and he offers me uh, alcohol in a cup and that was priority number two. So one, let's get the kids out. Let's, let's offshore the kids right away. And then two, uh, let's get some liquor in the system. It's, it's, it's early in the morning. And uh, so... I, I go into shul and I meet somebody or I, I, I bump into somebody that I know. I didn't physically bump. We didn't bump, right? There wasn't a bump. But I see somebody that I know and I start talking to him. And we're, we're standing in the back of the shul. And we're talking. And we're, this is, you know, I don't see him very often. And we're, we're, sh we're schmoozing. Now, I did not know that davening had started. There's no, there's no clock there. It's like a lahav delav of das. It's almost like a, a casino type uh, atmosphere where they're just pumping in the oxygen because they want people to stay there the whole time and there's no clocks and things just go on and on. First minion, second minion, third minion, fourth minion, sixth minion, etc. And so uh, a gentleman comes over to me and he's irate and he starts yelling at me for talking in shul. And I said, hey, did, did davening even start? I had no idea that davening started. And, you know, Frankly, I was annoyed because here I'm in shul and about to daven and somebody is giving me the lowdown of his mushroom trip or trips that he took on a couple times. It's deep religious experience. And I'm in a shul right now, right? So he's, he's telling me about the psilocybin and I'm trying to get into the davening mode. It's, it's helping me and some guy comes out and, and hushes me. So of course I have to be a wise guy and tell him, hey, listen, you're, you're you know, I didn't know davening started, but moreover, you're talking, you're, you're, you're davening so loud, it's really interrupting this conversation I'm having here in the back. But I, I was a wise guy for a second, and then I realized, you know, I get irritated when people talk where I go to shul, so I start davening. 
So that is it between me and this gentleman, even though we exchanged words and we were yelling at each other. Great first impression, by the way, to make when you go to another show, get into a fight with somebody. The second thing is, I, so I start davening and I'm saying, uh, I'm doing something which a lot of people don't do at shul. I'm saying the words. I'm saying them out loud and I'm davening nicely. I'm wearing my talus. I'm shuckling, doing my thing. This same gentleman comes over to me and he's even more irate than the first time. And he said, you're disturbing me. I said, whoa, 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 what am I doing? He said, you're praying too loud. And this is true. You can ask the people that were there. I said, listen, before you were upset at me because... I was talking. Now I'm not talking. I'm davening. I'm not doing anything wrong. So he said, but you are disturbing me. So I said, perhaps you're just disturbed. And this has nothing to do with me. And so, uh, as you can see, I took a very, I took the high route uh, by arguing back with him. And he got so frustrated and he said, I'm going to find a different place to daven. And that's it. I'm, for the rest of davening, I was minding my own business. Uh, during uh, reading of the Torah, I went back to my friend who was telling me about his mushroom trips and just got the second half of that in between the reading of the Torah. And after davening, I actually went back over to this gentleman. I introduced myself. I apologized for being disrespectful because he's older than me. He also told me that he wanted to apologize to me. And I said, no, I get to apologize to him. He is older. And then... I told him that he reminded me of a story. I used to live on the East Coast. Sorry, not on the East Coast. I live now on the East Coast. And I did before. Actually, I was living on the East Coast for quite some time. But for a period of my life, about 12 years, I lived in Seattle, Washington, a beautiful, beautiful city. We were just there visiting a couple weeks ago. And the first time I rocked up to Shoal there, wouldn't you know, I got into a fight with somebody at Shoal. And fast forward, we are him and this fellow that I got into a fight with. We are close friends. And so it seems to me that there is this pattern of behavior, if you look at my psyche, where for whatever reason you drop me in a nushul, I get into a fight with somebody, but then I make up and we become friends. And so uh, that's just a, the story that I wanted to leave you with. While we're talking about a little shul, uh, I just wanted to talk about... Uh, uh, addiction for a second and something that's becoming uh, very clear to me as I get older, and that is if you are an alcoholic, shul is a great place for you, like the best. Like even if you're lazy, you do not have to go out of your way at shul to get alcohol. It's, it's there for you at all times. So let's say 50 days a year, there's a kiddush. Now, the bigger shoals that have a presidential kiddush, you don't even have to wait. It used to be that if you were an alcoholic, you're like, okay, when is davening going to be over? When is davening going to be over? Like looking at that clock, going to the back of the, the, you know, going to the kitchen, making sure that the bottles of vodka are still intact. Today, I mean, there's a presidential kiddush, so the drinking gets to start way before davening ends. Not just that, because there are different times of davening at all time. Like you can just be drinking from Hashkama Minyan. That's the early Minyan you can be drinking. Now, uh, and again, I'm not prom promoting alcoholism and I, I think it's a serious matter. All I'm saying is if somebody has not made the decision to quit alcohol and they're still leaning into their alcoholism, Shul is just a killer of a place. Killer. You don't even have to be ambitious. And you can just knock it out of the park there. Uh, like, also, even in the middle of the week, if somebody has a yard site, right? So 
there are days where 6.45 in the morning, I'm having a l'chaim. I don't even like alcohol, but I don't want to be disrespectful for the people that are uh, you know, observing anniversary of somebody's passing. And uh, you know how crazy it is in shul, the, the amount of alcohol opportunities is, like I've seen people doing a l'chaim in shul commemorating the fact that the guy is celebrating his achievement for not being on alcohol for 30 days. So he's now throwing a little l'chaim in the shul. I'm like, this kind of defeats the purpose. You're like, you're passing out alcohol to everybody, including yourself. You're sloshed right now. But it's just, again, the amazing thing about shul. So again, like I said, not advocating alcoholism by any means. And I know addiction is a serious thing and we can talk about addiction at, at a future date. All I'm saying is if there's somebody who is in a, you know, an alcohol addict, Shul is just, again, primary location, location, location. You don't have to do anything. It's just brought to you. Um, so I wanted to, uh, we've talked in the past about uh, self-help books, and self-help books are real. I keep them by my bed. It is the usually the only section in a library or a bookstore I will frequent and see other people such as myself who are looking to help themselves via books. And... Uh, I wanted to read you a little section of a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. And this book is written by a famous therapist. Her name is Brene Brown. So the book is called The Gifts of Imperfection. The author is Brene Brown. Now, she's very famous. The other thing worth noting is on the word Brene, she has an apostrophe on the end E. So the end, the last E of Brene has an apostrophe over that. If that doesn't impress, impress somebody, I don't know what will. Most people do not have apostrophes. For somebody to be so confident and know the direction they're headed in and say, this is who I am, there will be a line on top of several letters or one letter in my word. It speaks volume and... Uh, you take what they say seriously. So I want to read you a section of the book we were talking about here about creativity. And uh, okay, here we go. So it's on page 112. Uh, this is for all the people out there and all of us have creativity, creativity in all of us and the importance of expressing it. So here we go, page 112. We all have gifts and talents. When we cultivate those gifts and share them with the world, we create a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. Squandering our gifts brings distress to our lives. As it turns out, it's not merely benign or too bad if we don't use the gifts that we've been given. We pay for it with our emotional and physical well-being. When we don't use our talents to cultivate meaningful work, we struggle. We feel disconnected and weighed down by feelings of emptiness, frustration, resentment, shame, disappointment, fear, and even grief. Very, very powerful. And uh, this could explain a little uh, some of my frustration, resentment, shame, disappointment, fear, and grief over the years. And now that I have a podcast, I'm expecting all of those negative emotions to go away because I have creative outlet and my life is beautiful and I'm living my best life. Oh, yeah.
Okay, so now we're gonna try, we're gonna add a little uh, thing into here where uh, I am going to read some ads. Now, I don't have any advertisers because I don't have any listeners, so nobody's interested in giving money to read some ads to nobody, but uh, the idea is, I've read in other self-help books, which we can cover at a future date, that you have to manifest, you have to be the person you want to become, and so if we want to get ads, we have to manifest ads. I'm going to do that by starting to practice what ads sound like on my podcast. So one day when I have oodles of listeners, lots of brands can just throw money at me, be like, we, we love everything that you do. Okay, so first, this is uh, the first ad. And I'm going to add an ad later on. Uh, here we go. Do you need a bed? Do you have a mattress on your bed? If you have a mattress on your bed or you don't have a mattress and you want to get a new mattress or you already have a mattress but you hate the mattress because your mattress sucks, check out Casper.com. Casper.com is a website that you can order a mattress on the internet. Like, they'll put it in a box and ship it to you. True story, I, Shmuel Tenant House, from the Shmuel Tenant House podcast, one time ordered a mattress from uh, Casper. Yep, that's the name of the brand that is not paying me to say this. And uh, I did the genius move of not consulting with my wife before buying a bed that she was going to sleep on. And we got the Casper, I set it up, it comes in a box and you open it. And you have to be careful because a mattress will just uh, unfurl itself and pop up in front of your face. And my wife slept on it. She hated it. We're still married and there was no therapy even needed. She told me she didn't like it. We told Casper. Casper picked it up and donated the mattress to a homeless shelter because they're not going to take back a mattress that somebody slept on. Now, I was not particularly successful with my, my Casper purchase, but a lot of good happened because of Casper. Number one, I tried to do a nice gesture for my wife. Now, she didn't necessarily find the mattress great, but I'm sure she appreciated the gesture. Two, their customer support was great. We didn't get charged. We returned it. They gave us a full refund. Three, the best part, somebody at a homeless shelter now just got a mattress because I did not communicate with my wife about buying a mattress prior to buying it. So it's a win-win-win, uh, except for the investors in Casper that maybe it got fleeced on their IPO, but everybody else wins, win. Casper for the win. So when you're at Casper and you make a purchase, uh, if you could just put in the Schmuel Tenant House podcast in whatever coupon box they have at checkout, if they have one, uh, they will not recognize it. Uh, they don't know I'm, I'm even around, but uh, who knows? You know, we just have to get things in motion. So thank you, uh, everybody. Uh, so on the last episode, I got some feedback. People uh, appreciated some of the things I was saying on masks. I just wanted to add a couple of things, uh, a couple of mask topics, because we really didn't do a whole lot of COVID. And uh, almost 30 minutes went by, and there was no uh, COVID mentioning. So it, there's the obligation now. It's, it's the law. Uh, every 30 minutes, have to mention it a couple of times. And so I just wanted to say that in terms of the masks, there's other type of masks uh, that I really appreciate, not necessarily have worn them myself, but uh, they deserve a mentioning. The first one is there is a mask that I don't know what they're called, but the person wearing them will end up looking uh, like they have the mouth of a duck. It's like this very wide 
um, looking thing in the front, like a person has duck lips. And uh, I know the pandemic is serious. And so that somebody would wear, have, have the cojones to wear such a mask during such a serious time and inject a sense of levity and bring everybody some laughter and humor, I appreciate it. There's also the masks where it doesn't go over the ears like almost all masks do, but you tie it on the back of your head. Um, so it gets tied up and you see like it's an apron, let's say, but an apron for your face. It ties up and um, it actually from behind, for whatever reason, I feel like it looks like Mickey Mouse. And so when, when I see the person wearing uh, the duck mask and the one tied behind the ears like uh, a Shabbos apron, uh, I start thinking, did, did the Disney store start selling all these character masks? And uh, maybe Disney has been, been selling all this sort of stuff. The other thing is the N95 masks. Anybody who wears an N95, which is, by the way, the proper mask, and if you do not have an N95, you are nothing and spreading vermin all over town. Um, I love how the N95 masks just say on it, N95, like, this mask is better than your mask. And I'm tempted, I do not have an N95 mask because I, I need to up my mask game. My mask game is, is at a low. Um, we, at this point, have a couple left over in the glove compartment worn by different people. Uh, and uh, I want to take an N95 mask, take a Sharpie, cross out the word, five or the, the the number five and put seven. So anybody who's really smug about their N95 masks, anybody who has an N95 mask has to be a little smug because their mask game is, you know, the best that you can get. I want to be like, you have an N95, I have an N97, so stuff it. It's the latest N95. It's just a little better. There's Bluetooth in here. You cough, uh, a rapid test gets sent to your house because of uh, all the, uh, the Bluetooth chips that happen in there. Okay, uh, we, other things I got feedback is on, uh, were about um, giving stuck on Shul and the collectors with the credit card machine, taking things to a whole nova level, a whole nova level. So I wanted to share a story that happened to me, your podcaster and host, Shmuel Tenenhaus, of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. This happened to me today in Shoal. So there was somebody in Shoal that I haven't seen for a long time. As, I, as I'm dashing um, out of Shoal this morning on the way to do carpool, a guy stops me, who I know from many years ago, but I haven't really had much in contact with him, and says, hey, uh, can I speak to you for one second? You have a second for me. And I was thinking to myself, of course, this guy heard my first podcast and he wants to give me a shkoyach and tell me how he loved it and how he was uh, eating soup while he heard the first one and he laughed so hard, soup came out of his nostrils. Uh, and then he tells me, uh, hey, guess what? We just uh, opened up a new Chabad. Uh, would you like to participate? So uh, that was a great ego blow to me. Not only was he not there to tell me about the podcast, he was actually uh, soliciting for his new Chabad house of course, we gave him a donation, and it was a great opportunity to participate, and he had one of those convenient square readers attached to a phone. It used to be to go to be a shliach, you had to uh, go on Mephzayim, you had to go on America shlichas, you had to learn smicha, you had to get rabbinical ordination. Today, uh, if you want to be a shliach, 
you got to, uh, they teach you basically, you get a couple things, a little kit that you get in the mail. One, there's a tie that you can put on, one tie that you have uh, that you can wear for every umptive, every Shabbos, whenever you go into Crown Heights. The second thing is they send you a little square uh, reader uh, so that you could collect money on the fly when you're in shul, uh, talking to people who at first thought that you liked their podcast only to figure out that, dude, got to support this Chabad house. Nobody cares about your podcast. Okay. Uh, so we have a couple of, of minutes left, and I wanted to see how many uh, more topics we can get to. We're already four minutes over last week, so we are going mechayel uh, elchayel from strength to strength, like the Gemara. We finished concluding the Gemara of Mayid Katan last week about... Righteous people, they don't have any rest. They're going from strength to strength, level to level. We are upping the level of this podcast by taking it beyond 30 minutes. So uh, I wanted to come clean about a topic. And this is very personal for me. And uh, it's something that I do a lot of work on. And hopefully one day I hope to be in a better place. Here it goes. Uh, I struggle with weed and cannabis consumption. And this is something my close friends and family are very acutely aware. And uh, I would like to elaborate a little bit on what these struggles are and how they manifest themselves. Uh, so there, there, it, this is a multi-pronged conversation, but let's hit on some of the most important things. So uh, just talking about my struggles with weed. Uh, one of my biggest struggles is uh, typically when I will have weed in my pocket. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm out of the house. I will always struggle finding a lighter or a match or getting some sort of light. Uh, so they used to have those cigarette lighters in the car. They don't have them today in some of the any model that came out after nine, 1987 uh, when people figured out that smoking was bad. So this is definitely a, a struggle for me, uh, uh, usually finding a light. And sometimes if I'm at a restaurant, you go to um, you know, the wait staff, you can ask them if they have something, or you see a different smoker and you know he's got to have a light somewhere or he's got to have two rocks that he's banging together to uh, get a spark from it. And... So that's, that's definitely a struggle. Uh, part of that struggle is if I do end up borrowing a lighter, which often happens, as somebody who smokes weed, I will struggle to return it. And if you've ever lost a lighter to somebody who smokes weed, I want to apologize for all the lighters that I've pocketed over the years. I have a massive collection. And uh, perhaps one day I'm going to make a, a, a big sale out of all these lighters that I've taken from, from you guys over the years. Other, some of my other things that I, I really struggle, it's so hard for me to talk about this. Sometimes I struggle with uh, rolling a J, um, just in terms of packing it and knowing, is it too light or is, is it too airy? Uh, it's a struggle. It's just one of those things where you look in the mirror and you say, is this who I am? I'm, I'm 41 years old. I, I mean, people have real struggles and these are my struggles. Uh, just one last thing is 
uh, I also struggle with sometimes finding a grinder or grinding up the bud myself uh, with my fingers. It doesn't always get like a very fine grind. Uh, you could use a grinder, but uh, you got to start turning it and things get stuck within the grinder. You almost got to floss the, the, the binder. Like at, at some point in time, it's almost you start getting into dental hygiene, just trying to get the weed out of the grinder. Um, and uh, so these are, these, are, these are my struggles. And I hope that the, this little segment of my weed struggles will impress upon you uh, the idea that we should communicate with others and express uh, our struggles with other people. You never know what somebody is struggling with. You can look at somebody who looks just fine. You would look at me, you'd be like, he's got his, his weed game together. No, I struggle with it a lot. I wanted to read uh, one more ad, uh, manifest one more ad, and that is uh, BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com was the largest uh, podcast advertiser in 2021. They spent like $30 million plus. So I feel that if I'm going to be manifesting, I'm going to manifest towards a whale. Somebody could afford to pay me a lot of money once this uh, podcast blows up, despite the fact that uh, people are not sharing it and I do not have social media promoting this. So uh, here's, here's, here's the ad. Uh, are people in your circles talking a Pes about a Pesach program uh, that you can't afford? Are they talking about going out of the country or out of the state on some lavish program and you're just going to have to stay home in your regular shul with anybody who doesn't, in your shul, doesn't have an extra twenty-five dollars to $50,000 in your bank account? Is that, is that really causing you a lot of pain? Uh, another scenario, do, have all your friends moved to Florida and you're the only guy still left in, a, in the United States? You're the only Jew not in Florida right now and your wife is looking at everybody else's uh, Instagram feed and she's saying, we got to move. We're the, we're the only Jews not there in Florida. Is that causing you uh, a lot of anxiety? Well, betterhelp.com is a service that... Uh, you can speak to a therapist anytime, anywhere. So even if you are somewhere for Yeshiva Week and you, know, you start thinking about all the people that are having a better time because they have more money than you, let's face it, and they can go to a place that's much nicer than where you're going, uh, and that's causing you that, that inner conflict, I would check out betterhelp.com. And again, if there is some sort of promo button, or you can also just go to betterhelp.com forward slash the Shmuel Tenant House podcast. Uh, no such URL, but maybe the per person who spots that in their URL logs will be like, this guy is a genius. Let's send him a lot of money. So I want to conclude. We're at 40 minutes. And uh, I want to conclude with explaining a little bit why, forget about the fact that I'm not on social media myself, but promoting a podcast on social media, why I think it's a bad idea, and why I'm not spending any time investing in those channels. Now, I may be completely wrong, like every, pretty much everything else I mentioned, with the exception of my name, on this podcast. But I have done, in a professional sense, marketing for 20 years of my professional career, and larger companies, smaller companies, some companies have had exits, 
some companies, uh, I've just walked towards the exit because I wasn't happy, happy there. Some companies were happy to show me the exit. And uh, here's why I, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of value. So let's say like this, I have a podcast. So the question is, where or how am I going to promote my co- podcast? So today's day and age, people are like, dude, you got to do social media. You got to get out there. That's where the people are. The people are on social media. Everybody's in social media. So what I can do is I can go build myself a Instagram page. And my Instagram page, I'll get some art and some cover art and some cute memes, but it'll be on my Instagram page. And my Instagram page is going to promote my podcast. But two, three days into this, this is all theory, and this is why I don't do it. Two, three days into this, I'm going to start contemplating and thinking, wait a second. Great. I have a podcast and I have an Instagram page. But now how am I going to let people know about my Instagram page? And all the geniuses out there who do this will be like, dude, it is so simple. What you need to do, man, is create a Facebook page. Now, on your Facebook page, what you do is you cross-promote, man, cross-promote your Instagram feed and your Instagram page. So therefore, you'll have a Facebook page. It's going to promote your Instagram, and then your Instagram is going to promote your podcast. And then, again, a couple days later, trying to figure out now, and I'm juggling my podcast, my Instagram page, and my Facebook page, and we'd be like, wait a second, how do I let people know that I have a Facebook page? And then a millennial will be like, Man, you're so old. You're so not with it. You need to have Pinterest. Put a bunch of pins up there. Create a pin board. And in the pin board, let people know about your Facebook page. And then simple, your Facebook page is going to let people know about your Instagram page. And your Instagram page is going to let people know directly, directly at this point about your podcast. And then, of course, a few days go by and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense because now I have an in, a Pinterest page and I've, I'm diluting all my efforts because I'm spending you know, five hours a day logging into each account, cross-promoting myself and not doing anything. But how am I going to ne- let people know about this, this Pinterest page to begin with? And they'll be like, oh, man, I, ca- I can't believe you don't, you don't get it. You're not getting this, man. What you need to do is you gotta make a couple of TikToks. You make a couple of TikToks, that's what the kids want. The kids are watching TikToks. Even Zuckerberg will be like, kids are watching TikTok. So what you gotta do, and, and by the way, at this time, at this point, this, is, this flow chart is so complicated. You need a whiteboard to really explain all the cross-promotion that you're doing to promote your podcast. So this is like Chagadia. The TikTok promotes your Pinterest. Your Pinterest promotes your Facebook page. Your Facebook page is gonna knock you to the Instagram feed. And the Instagram feed, It's going to let people know about your podcast. It's that simple. Now, of course, there's the question of what promotes your TikTok, but that's like kind of asking what comes before the Big Bang Theory. You never ask such a question with TikTok. TikTok is TikTok. But the biggest issue is that because you end up spending so much time diluting your focus to the channels that you're going to cross-promote your actual content, that leaves you with a lot less time and no focus to promote your actual content. So my theory is you're much better off creating something good and spending time and investing in doing something that works or that you know that has potential to grow and then let the promotion and the awareness 
work itself out over time. There's no shortcuts. Uh, I did bump into, I want to finish off on this note, I did bump into somebody on Shabbos, and he mentioned that he has always wanted to do a podcast. And if he is still listening, you absolutely must do so. It'll cost you less than 200 bucks, which is probably what you spend on Uber Eats just for lunch on Mondays and Thursdays. And it's really inexpensive to do it. Reach out to me and everybody else who has some, some creative project on the side that they have not had time to figure out what to do. Perhaps stop with all the cross promotions on social, dig deep. You are your own social media. Figure out what it is that you have to offer and make it a reality. Thank you, everybody. Much love and peace. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.